Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. The program this morning takes us back to biblical times and the account of the wise men coming from the east to see the one who was born king of the Jews. If you're familiar with the Christmas story, it's a very familiar story to all of us. It's interesting as you considered the, the reading this morning, the dramatization of a, of a blind man asking somebody to help him find a certain star in the night sky. When you, when you look at the sky, stars and look at the sky at night. It's said that on a clear night without the light pollution with the the human eye, you can see about 6,000 stars. Of course, that's a tiny fraction of what actually exists. Earlier this this century, uh, the estimate was that there were 100 sextillion stars. That's a one followed by 23 zeros. And that was the estimate until December 1st of 2010, an article in Discovery Ma- or Discover Magazine reported that uh, a scientist from, the, from Yale University, an astronomer, had determined that that number was probably low because of the, more, the dimmer stars in distant galaxies. And so he estimated that the accurate number was 300 sextillion stars and clarified that that was it. So in in his declaration, that number actually tripled. And when I read that article, I thought a couple of things. One, if it's a difference of 200 sextillion, if you're off by that much, is that really science or just speculation? And when I read that, I assumed that that's probably not the final answer that that number will probably change. Well, according to an article uh, in space dot, on space.com from February of 2022, the estimate now is one septillion stars. Uh, that's the American numbering. Quadrillion is the European numbering, if you're keeping track. That's a one with 24 zeros after it. And and that's based on the assumption that there are 10 trillion galaxies in the universe with 100 billion stars in each of them. So the number went up 700 sextillion. And that's what they say is in the observable universe. You know, when I I consider these numbers, which are are just mind-boggling and really hard for us to even comprehend. In fact, it was said that, that when the number was at... 300 sextillion, that that was 10 times the cups of water in the ocean, in all the oceans on earth. And and when I I look at numbers like this, what comes to my mind is what Kaspar said, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's a quote from Psalm 19, verse 1. And while this drama took us back 2,000 years to what took place in Bethlehem, I'd like us to look at a passage of Scripture that takes us back even further. 
If you'd like to take your Bibles or the Bible in the chair in front of you and turn with me to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. If you want to use the Bibles there in the chairs, it's on page 742. But these opening verses of the Gospel of John take us back even further, but bring us to the realization that the light has come into the world. These opening verses of the Gospel of John are referred to as the prologue. That, that doesn't merely mean it's an introduction, but really what it's saying is this is a summation of all that will be presented in this Gospel. That it's, as one commentator referred to these opening 18 verses of the Gospel of John, he, he called them the foyer to the rest of the fourth Gospel. Because they simultaneously draw the reader in, but they also introduce the major themes of the book. And one of the major themes is the word that has come into this world is light. We're introduced to Jesus, the Messiah, the, the word that is light. In fact, as, as our script talked about, he is the, the morning star. Revelation twenty two sixteen. Jesus identifies himself as the morning star. And this fourth gospel, John gives the reason for it at the very end of the book. He says in John 20, verse 31, these signs are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life through His name. What I want us to see in just a few moments this morning is that Jesus Christ came, came as the light of the world and will provide spiritual life to all that believe in Him. We're going to see that in these verses, and we'll look at them very briefly, but follow with me as I begin reading in verse 1, in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world." We'll stop our reading there, though, as I mentioned, the prologue goes through verse 18. But here the, the, the gospel introduces us to the word, the, the logos is the Greek word there. The, the understanding of that word is significant in understanding the whole gospel. And while Jesus is not actually named until verse 17, we find that he is the word. He's presented as eternal in the beginning was the Word. If we could think back before anything existed, He was there. In the beginning was the Word. He's distinct from God the Father, and the Word was with God, but He is clearly identified as God. The Word was God. That's what verse 1 tells us, bringing us into this passage. And, and the passage then moves through the creative work of the Word that all things were made by Him and brings us to the theme of life and light. That Jesus Christ came as the light of the world, providing spiritual light to all who believe in Him. And I want us to see a couple of things about that light very briefly. The first one is the light reveals the knowledge of God. We find that in these opening verses. 
The light reveals things. You know, we, we find that today. Light reveals things. I mean, if, if you walk into a dark room, you turn on the light and you see things that you weren't seeing before. In fact, we want light to reveal things. If, you, if you're walking in a dark room, you would rather the light show you what's there than find it with your shin or with your toe, as some of us have done at times. I mean, even, even this morning, I, I, I often use my, my phone for a flashlight. I woke up and I wanted to know, it, it was nice and cool in our bedroom, and I wanted to know the temperature. And I have a little thermostat there, and so I, I tried to look, and my flashlight wasn't working, so I picked up my phone, I turned it on, and found it was 60 degrees. It's like, that's nice. That's great sleeping weather. We don't get that real often in Arizona. Our, our goal when we lived in Maine was that we would not turn on the heat until October. Well, we, we've got to make it at least till December in Arizona. And I thought, this is really nice, but, but I couldn't see that without the light. Isaiah 9, 2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. That is the coming of the Messiah, that, that light reveals things, it provides guidance. And without the light, without God revealing Himself to us, we could never know Him personally. And as the light, Jesus Christ reveals the Father. I mean, do you want to know what God is like? The Son has revealed Him to you. In fact, verse 14 of this very passage says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you want a personal relationship with the Father? The Son can bring you into that relationship because of His grace, because He is the truth. Do you have that relationship with God this morning? You know, one of the first things that happens if you have a falling out with somebody, if, if, you, if you have a disagreement, an argument, a fight, if things don't go well, you know, one of the first things that shows a strain in that relationship is that there is a broken connection. And usually it's eye contact. You know, if, if, you, if there's a strain with your spouse or with your parents or your children or a coworker. You know, what is one of the clearest indicators? You want to look at them. You're going to try to avoid them. You, you may have all sorts of excuses. You're busy doing something else. You have to work late at the office. You've got a different project going. If you do end up in the same room with them, that you've, you're working on something else, your phone is always handy that we can be looking at. But we don't want to make eye contact. You see that when children disobey, they don't want to look at their parents. When spouses have a falling out, they, they, they want to avoid each other. Well, sinners want to avoid God because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid. They didn't want to see God. And yet Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me and I will give you rest. In John 5 verse 40, it says, you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Jesus came to offer that life, but it's that broken relationship that causes us to, to want to avoid Him. The light reveals the way to God. Spiritual light is the knowledge of God, and Jesus is the way to the Father. It says in, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. And then verse 7 says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you will know him and have seen him. See, light reveals the knowledge of God. Secondly, the light stimulates life. We see that in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Genesis 1, it, it speaks of the creation, and the earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it says in verse 4 of Genesis 1, God saw the light, that it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. God called the light into existence, separated it from the darkness. The second person of the Godhead, the Word, the Messiah, Christ, is the source of all life in the universe. And it's interesting because light and darkness are, are there, but it's not until the, the fourth day of creation that the stars, the sun, the moon were created. There was light before the stars, the septillion or how many there are. Because without him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, is the creator and sustainer of life. In fact, it says in Colossians 1 verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, that's the, the rulers and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And then verse 17 says that he holds it all together, including the solar systems. He's the source and sustainer of, of physical and biological life, of plant and animal and human life, but more than that, of spiritual life. The life and light declared about here are speaking of that spiritual life. And John's assertion that, that the word was life is the logical progression of his creative activity that all who believe in Him may have life through His name. And that connection should not really surprise us. In the physical world, life depends on light. Well, how much more in the spiritual world? To have a relationship with God the Father, we need the light of Jesus Christ. John 17 verse 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the light stimulates life. But the third thing that we see in this passage is the light invades a world of darkness. The light shines in darkness, it tells us in, in verse 5. You know, when we, when we think of darkness, there's a lot of things that come with that. The evil is often thought in, you know, in Star Wars, the dark side is considered aggression, evil, hostility. Light and darkness are not just opposites. Darkness is the absence of light. And the darkness characterized in human history since the first human sinned is not in the Star Wars sense, but it's in a spiritual blindness. It's a separation from God because of our wickedness. And so in John 3, verse 19, it says, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And verse 20 says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. You know, there are people today like the darkness. And sadly, they live in dark places. 
You know, we, we've probably all heard the little children's poem, Starlight, Star Bright, First Star I See Tonight, I Wish I May, I Wish I Might Have This Wish, I Wish Tonight. And I heard that years ago when somebody said, and then they followed it with, I wish I could be happy. And isn't that the wish of our world? But darkness clouds reality. People try to find their life and light apart from God. So they pursue things that, that really don't answer, that really don't satisfy. And, and, and the darkness causes distortion, that we think things will satisfy and they won't. And sometimes these great minds reject it. Stephen Hawking, one of the most influential scientists of our time, he died in, in 2018, he referred to the belief in heaven, the belief in an afterlife as a, quote, a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. Christian philosopher and scientist John Lennox responded, atheism is a fairy story for people afraid of the light. Men love darkness rather than light. And unfortunately, it's because of their evil deeds. People delight in darkness of sin rather than seeking the light of holiness. And as a result, they face the darkness of death rather than light of eternal life. They believe that to be a Christian means to, to give up what they think is fun, and that's the distortion of the world. Oh, there is pleasure in sin for a season, but it's short-lived. And it's enslaving. And that's why our world says, I wish I could be happy. And yet the Bible tells us that in God's presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forever. That's Psalm 16, verse 11. But the spiritual blindness causes people to miss this. They're blind to what God is doing. They're blind to God's mercy. They're blind to God's working. And they're blind to God's provision. The fourth thing that we see is the light overwhelms darkness. We see that in the latter part of verse 5. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness is confounded by the light. The Greek word that is used there in verse 5 is, is translated here as did not comprehend. It can mean understand, grasp, or even overcome. And so in verse 10 it states that while Christ came into this world, the world did not know Him. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Those whose minds the God of this age has blinded, and they do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. But light conquers the darkness. I mentioned the word can mean overcome. I actually have a marginal note in my Bible that says that. That, that it has that idea, and that's how it's used elsewhere. In John chapter 12, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. He's that blind man. The light meets opposition in a dark world. The condemnation is that people choose darkness rather than light. And those in the dark fail to recognize that, that they don't control sin, sin controls them. And yet they're hardened to the effects. And they miss this, that, that the light conquers and counters darkness. How do you get rid of darkness? 
mean, you can't box it up and, and put it in a storage container. You, you can't close it up in the closet. You, you get rid of it by turning on the light. Of opening the blinds and letting the light come. The light has come into this world. The light shines in darkness and overcomes it. And it changes lives. We have testimonies all across this room of lives that have been changed by the light of the Word, of the working of Christ. Many years ago, evangelists from the last century, H.A. Ironside was preaching some meetings in San Francisco. And he was approached by an atheist, and the atheist handed him a card, and, and Ironside took that card and he read it out loud. It said, Sir, I challenge you to a debate with me on the question agnosticism versus Christianity. It will take place in the Academies of Science Hall next Sunday at 4 o'clock. And as Ironside read the card, he said, I am very interested in this challenge. And I agree to the debate on the following conditions. He said, I ask that this agnostic to prove that he has something worth fighting for, that he will bring with him two people. One man, one woman, who have spent years in the bondage of sin, their lives caught up in evil habits that they could not overcome, and yet they heard at one point in their life a denouncement of the Bible, a rejection of Christianity, their hearts were stirred by that agnosticism, and that philosophy changed their lives that they are now, they can testify of living righteous, godly lives. That their lives were changed by their belief in agnosticism and that they were freed from the bondage of sin and he said and I will bring at least 100 men and women who have lived in sin and have now been delivered by the power of God and by their trust in Jesus Christ and the atheist walked away and the debate never took place because the light overcomes the darkness but the final thing I want us to see in this passage is Jesus Christ identifies himself as the light. You'll notice that the word light in verses 7 through 9 is capitalized. Now, in, in some, some versions you have it capitalized in verse 5, but it's clearly speaking of the word that was God, that was with God, that was God. And John the Baptist, the man that's mentioned here, sent from God, mentioned in verse 6, makes that proclamation at the end of this chapter, verses 29 through 34. But Jesus also makes that proclamation in chapter 8, verse 12, when he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus made that declaration that he is the light that we see he does away with empty religion. You know, one of the interesting things for us that have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior is, is that while we talk about this building and come to church, that this building is actually not the church. It's us as believers, the, the body. That we're not dealing with mere form or religion, we're dealing with a relationship where we're not trying to hide, but we can look to Him. So in John 1, 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is the word tabernacled. 
For the, for the Jews, they understood that that was the, the visible representation of God in their presence. And now Jesus Christ came as that tabernacle. And so as a church, we, we don't have to go to a priest because Jesus Christ is the unchangeable high priest. It says in Hebrews 2.17, Therefore, in all things, he has been made himself like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God and make propitiation for the sins of the people. That he does that work of the priest, of, of pleading for our sins. Earlier in that same passage in Hebrews chapter 2, it talks about how he partook of the same flesh and blood that we have so that through death he might destroy the power of Satan and of death and deliver us from the fear of death. How many people in our world are afraid of dying? None of us really look forward to it because it's an uncertainty, but when we know Christ is our personal Savior, we don't have to fear death. We're following the one who's gone before. And we can come to Jesus Christ directly. We can come to God through Jesus Christ because it tells us in John or in 1 Timothy 2, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So we don't have to go to a human priest. Jesus Christ is our high priest. And we don't have to offer sacrifices because Jesus is the sacrifice. Hebrews 9.26, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So he brings that light into this world. Have you experienced that? Or would you say, you know, I don't have a clue of what you're talking about today. What I'm really asking is, have you trusted Jesus Christ alone as the light for your eternal life? Have you realized your need and trusted in him? He came to reveal the Father and to redeem sinners. So in John 1.18, at the end of the prologue, it says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Jesus Christ is the God to whom all the prophets pointed. So in John chapter 5, verse 39 he said, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. The Old Testament pointed to the Word, to Christ. Eternal life involves more than just length of life. It, it's the quality of life. It's the power of life. As Caspar found that, 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 that satisfaction to his soul, eternal life satisfies in a way that physical life does not. So in John 4, 14, Jesus said, I am the water of life. He quenches that thirsty soul. In John 6, 27, he said, I am the bread of life. He satisfies the hunger of the heart. And in John 12, 25, he says he's better than physical life. In John 10, 10, he said, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So do you have that abundant life this morning? Have you trusted Christ alone for your salvation? It's not by works, as Caspar said, well, I'm a good person. No, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, and that's why Christ came. And if you have trusted Christ, are you walking in the light of His Word and striving to follow His will? Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet 
a light to my path. And if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship. There's not that distance. There's not that broken eye contact. And if you've trusted Christ, you can be a light in the dark world. Jesus came as the light of the world to provide spiritual life for all who believe in him. And if you are not in that place this morning, we would love to be able to take God's word and show you how you can have the relationship that I've talked about this morning, that the choir sang about, that the the readers, the drama presented for us, that he is the morning star that has shown in your life. We would love to share that with you. Let's pray together.